This is Shinji Kagawa, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Of the Yellow Wall Pod. It's once again me, Stefan Butzko, your host. But uh, after a barrage of complaints, okay, it was just one, <laughs> I replaced Konstantin Eckner and Lars Polman uh, as people did not think our award show was fun. I thought it was, it was uh, great fun, but uh, whatever. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, of course. But um, yeah, due to uh, uh, yeah scheduling issues, I uh, brought in. I don't want to say second team because uh, that that would uh, not be justified. But uh, nevertheless, Abel Mesharos once again, Mesarosh once again here on this podcast. Hello, Abel. How are you doing? Hey, thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping to uh, hoping to be the uh, Eric Durm of the Dortmund uh, roster and <laughs> and this podcast. You know, kind of upgraded from the Yuhu Park to Eric Durm. You know, the, the baby steps. <laughs> All right, <laughs> and also here, and uh, he is uh, making his podcasting debut on the Yellow World Pod. It's Christopher Schmidt. Hello, Christopher. How are you doing? Stefan, I have a pleasure to be on with you two gentlemen. Finally, <laughs> yeah, Christopher yeah. is of course already contributing for the Yellow World. He is writing our previews, and uh, I can recommend an article uh, Christopher wrote not for us but for Bus. What is it, BVB Buzz or something? BVB Buzz, yes. Yeah. Um, about uh, whether Dortmund should cling on to Marco Royce or not. I think that's a very interesting discussion we will have sooner or later. But since uh, Christopher is right now on his um, lunch break, we gotta cut it short. <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, Borussia Dortmund will re-enter the season on Sunday. They will basically the uh, the last game of the 18th match day against VfL Wolfsburg. Uh, who are right now 12 on the table and have only won three so far in the Hinrunde, so not doing too well. But before we talk about uh, Mr. Schmidt <laughs> and his uh, Wolfsburg side, um, Abel, quick recap of those two friendly games and any takeaways you may or may not have. Um, well, I mean, not not to say that they've been terribly meaningful, but just because in terms of like the the injuries. I mean, there was I think the game against Zulta Vargem was was almost called off from from what I remember because Dortmund had like I think you mentioned nine guys uh, that caught some sort of stomach flu and uh, um, it was in danger of being call, called off. And I mean, um, you saw some pictures from from Marbella where they had the training camp, um, but uh, you know, uh, from from what I saw of the, the sort of highlights. Uh, you know, Jadon Sancho had had a, had a nice game for himself, um, and then I think uh, in the, the the was I think was it the game before that where Alexander Isak uh, actually scored the goal. Yes. So, so those are those are always some positives. Uh, you know, I think generally like 
these kind of winter training camps uh, are, you know, a chance for, for those guys to, to younger guys to kind of get some playing time. And at that point, you kind of know what you're getting from your regular starters. So those are the guys you, you know, you want to, and I think you, you want to give some playing time to. Um, and it's always nice to also see uh, some of the guys that, uh, you know, Dortmund fans were missing, you know, um, come back like, you know, Mario Goetze or Marco Royce or Eric Dorm or Lucas Piszczek or uh, Sebastian Rode as well. So. Yeah, Royce, no, of course, not quite back yet. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, yeah. back in training, yeah. Yeah, but Götze, of course, uh, played a couple of minutes and looked decent as well. Mm. Uh, so did Julian Weigel, I thought. Um, Christopher, any uh, impressions from the from the friendlies that you liked or disliked? Yeah, I mean, it was good to see uh, Dortmund score again. Uh, three goals in the last match, uh, of course. And, of course, the Düsseldorf-Fortuna game was, you know, easy, a 2-0 standard. It's just when you have these winter break uh, friendlies, it's 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 so much just, just getting back in the swing of things and going through the motions and just trying to get your legs back. So and nothing nothing that really makes me think, oh, Dortmund's in trouble or Dortmund's going to win the Bundesliga and catch Bayern. It's, it was more, <laughs> it was kind of color by numbers type of things that I saw. And, and some players, as Oliver said, some players that you wanted to see get some playing time, got on the pitch and, and, and got, got their, you know, got to stretch their legs a little bit. And, and, you know, we got to see some some names on the back of the shirts we normally don't get to see. Yeah, it was certainly good to see Jaden Sancho, for example, um, what you know, what I could really see for the first time because I, you know, of course I watched him play for the under-19, but, uh, you know, that's always a different scenario than when you actually play for the first team in a, in a friendly. And, uh, you know, if we think back to a very talented Emre Moore or even even Dembele, uh, those were players who liked to, or loved to dribble rather, um, but, uh, you know... Not always successfully in the, in a sense of uh, knowing when to go into a dribble and when to uh, just play a pass. And I think Sancho, at least in in that sort of decision making, is a little bit more advanced. It's the one of the very few takeaways I get from these friendlies that uh, Jane Sancho knows when to dribble and and when to pass a little bit better. And uh, yeah, that should help him to grab maybe some more minutes in the second half of the season. So, um, yeah, that, of course, is a little bit exciting. And I think Alexander Isak also made a little bit of a case for himself um, playing in those friendlies. But uh, as Christopher already alluded to, you know, you always have to take these games with a massive grain of salt. So, um, without any further ado, I think we can shift our attention towards the Rückrunde and, uh, yeah, the first match which will take place on Sunday at the Westfalenstadion. Abel, Wolfsburg, three wins, ten draws, and four losses so far. Um, in the very first game of the season, or in the Bundesliga opener, Wolfsburg were yeah more or less without a chance. Dortmund really played them out of the pack, and I remember being very surprised that Dortmund's possession game looked very okay-ish, comparing it with the... Uh, you know, the, the preseason friendlies where Dortmund looked absolutely horrible. Um, will this be a similar game where Dortmund, yeah, basically come away with a easy 3-0 win? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the scoreline, it might not be that decisive because, you know, Wolfsburg are one of these funny teams where, like we were talking off air of, of just sort of the individual quality they have. 
And, you know, you mentioned like the Daniel Didavis or Yunus Malis or Divo Corrigi and, and others, even Maxi Arnold, who just got a contract extension. But at the same time, like this is a team that is the second worst in terms of uh, non-penalty expected goals. So, so you, you know, behind or just ahead of Mainz, behind the, the mighty Hamburger Sportverein attack. So, I mean, that's that's kind of a shocking statistic there just to think about. And, you know, they scored 21 goals, conceded 21 as well. And like, so, so there's not, not that much that, that sort of, you know, it's one of those teams where like if you're watching them in highlights and if you're catching sort of their better moments, you're like, oh, Didavi has scored another long wage goal. Or, you know, they've got, you know, Yunus Mali, everybody was going crazy about the, the pass that he played, you know, but but sort of on a on a game to game basis, you know, it, there's there's not that much to show. So so I think obviously Dortmund have to be uh, the, the pretty the prohibitive favorites, uh, you know, provided that you know they're able to kind of play their their usual game, which I think under Peter Stöger now there's there's been signs of coming back to that, right? I guess <laughs> I don't I don't know really. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, if you if you remember sort of yeah, I mean the jury is kind of out, but. Uh, you know, I think the the narrative uh, has been that you know Dortmund's turned turned the corner, um, and I mean, in terms of like the, the tactics, uh, you know, one of the one of the things that Wolfsburg struggled with is, is pressing. I mean, uh, that was a, that was a big issue in, in the in the in the Hinrin the match where where they were not able to pressure Dortmund at all uh, in the build up and. Um, you know they're they're one of the the, the the least pressing teams in the in in the Bundesliga. I think only Cologne are are the ones who have a, a worse uh, metric there. So uh, and that's you know and I and I've seen like several like several of their games sort of you know um, uh, extended extended versions or even full games and and they they, they seem to like especially um, you know they seem to struggle with with sort of pressing fullbacks and 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 they they would play compact but it would be really easy to get the ball behind them. Um, and that's something that's improved under mentorship, but even like, you know, like I watched their games against Augsburg and, and yeah, like they got sort of a, a kind of a ridiculous or some of, you know, controversial red card on Maxi Arnold, but they really struggled to, to, to close down Augsburg. And, and there was just so many, so many scenes where, you know, like a Augsburg defender would get the ball and there's like, 11 Wolfsburg, 10 Wolfsburg players in a, in a 20, 20 yard radius and, and they're just playing the ball over the top and there's no pressure on the ball. So um, they've improved under Martin Schmidt overall, I would say. And then there's, a, I mean, I think the biggest thing is there's an identity now that they're, you know, they are pressing a little bit more and, and they're countering. Uh, and obviously it's it's an improvement under what they had under Juncker. But still, I think Dortmund should uh, handle them uh, comfortably. But I'd be interested to know what you guys think. Yeah, Christopher, how uh, big of a loss do you think Mario Gomez will be for Wolfsburg, who is now, of course, uh, playing for Stuttgart? Well, I think it will be. I, I mean, he's he's as of 2016. You know, he was playing in the European Championship, a uh, very vital part of the, the German internet, the German national team attack. So, of course, if you lose a player of that quality, Gomez last season was absolutely lived and died by Mario Gomez last season. If it weren't for him, they probably would have been s safely relegated. Um, there are some names, as Abel was saying, that jump out. You know, you still have Yudavi, you still have Origi, uh, the Liverpool loan. Uh, you have Mali. But the thing about the thing about um, Wolfsburg and, and Dortmund the first time, I remember I was sitting in the Atlanta airport wearing a Pulisic jersey thinking, man, we look really good. Eight <laughs> weeks later, I was thinking, man, we look really bad. And, you know, the thing is, two two things have happened since then. Both both teams have, of course, changed managers. Schmidt and Stürger are in. And the thing about Mainz, uh, excuse me, Wolfsburg, that really is kind of 
stayed the same is they 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 kind of they they struggle in uh, in defending the counterattack, which is where Dortmund can absolutely hit you with the pace because you have a and you have uh, the wingers, you have Pulisic, you have Yarmolenko. They they are susceptible to attacks uh, from 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 the counter positions. Also, they make kind of silly fouls in bad positions. You see, I think Abel was saying you see a lot of uh, of Wolfsburg players hanging around the same area. There's, there's, they don't really spread out very well. And if you do that, of course, you're you're going to risk uh, the chance of giving up a goal from from a uh, from a free kick or or you know even dare I say a penalty. So I, I being that it's a home match and Abel also pointed to one other thing out is after two matches, everyone gets that manager that the change the bounce off of the the managerial change. So of course Dortmund comes out as soon as Stuttgart gets there, they respond with two wins. Uh, the second one, of course, albeit a little bit closer, but. Six points from six points, nonetheless. I would like to see now after the Winterpause, I would like to see a little bit more of a sample size of where we actually are under Peter Struga as opposed to what we perceive to be the long term, only basing off of, off of two matches. I think it's silly for us to say, yeah, Dortmund's ailments, we, we, they're cured. You know, we're, we're, we're back <laughs> to where we were in between weeks one and seven. You know, it's a, it's, it's a distant memory. No, I mean, there were... There were definitely some parts in the Hoffenheim match where we looked shaky, and you know, it, it's it, to me, it's it's more of a long term transition to see if if Struga can actually right the ship, as opposed to saying, yeah, he came in, he fixed what Bosch had broken, and and we're we're, we're back to being Bayern chasers. I mean, all players unisono are saying that uh, Peter Struga has shifted the focus back on uh, defensive. Solidity, let's let's say defense first. This is now the credo at Dortmund. Of course, Stuga also said that uh, you know he doesn't want to play unattractive football. He said uh, you know he he couldn't even with that team if he wanted to. But uh, you know his very first approach was of course to solidify the defense, and I think uh, this of course still should be a priority. But nevertheless, he will have to think about possession football as much as any other coach that joins Dortmund because Dortmund are a dominant team. And Sugar has said that he is a very pragmatic coach and he will uh, yeah, try to implement that system or, or you know, that approach that he thinks uh, serves his players best. And uh, Dortmund, of course, will have to play possession football. There is no other way around it. So, you know, it's not going to be Dortmund parking the bus per se, but uh, there will be changes and nuances. And uh, given how little time they actually had on the training ground, I also would not expect too many changes right away. You know, there, as, as Christopher just said, there won't be a revolution whatsoever. I'm fairly sure that Dortmund still will be very bad at defending set pieces. <laughs> yeah, actually, like, against Wolfsburg, that's not really going to be a huge problem no. because they actually take the fewest amount of set pieces in the league. So it's like three a game. So... Um, especially, well, those are corners, but in general, like, so they're not a huge set piece team. So that's, especially with now no, no Mario Gomez, that's actually not a, you know, not a, not a huge deal, uh, in, in this, this like, yeah, no, you jinx it. <laughs> so, yeah. Now they're definitely scoring one. Yeah. I mean, they've oh, only, I think they've only scored three on the, on the, on, on set pieces from, from what, the, from numbers I have. So, but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so I mean, and and Dortmund actually um, have have actually been pretty okay because they've only conceded four, so uh, that that's not that's not too bad. Uh, it might and, actually. You know, go ahead. 
sorry, it might actually be a little bit to the to the benefit of Wolfsburg because they have a very a fairly balanced uh, squad as far as goal score because you have Origi and Mali that have four each and you have Daniel Didavi that has five. So uh, they count for, you know, 13 of the 21 goals scored. Mario Gomez is not out of the equation. It, 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 it might be one of those things where instead of ha- you have this thing, like it's, it's, it's like a Mario Icardi situation with Inter. They just say, oh, Icardi's going to save us. Icardi's going to save us. And, you know, with, with, if Icardi's gone, what does Inter do? Well, if Mario Gomez is gone, what does Wolfsburg do? They have no other choice but to go to somewhere, someone else somewhere else. And, you know, it might actually, in theory, it might be one of those things where off the bounce they're more dangerous than we thought because they're going to try different things. They're going to look at different options. They're going to go in with a three-headed monster as opposed to a one-headed monster. I actually think that, uh, like Chris was saying about, and then you guys were saying about Gomez moving, I actually think that's a that's a good move for, for Wolfsburg overall because, like, especially under Andres Juncker, I mean, I, I, I looked at this uh, last season, but they were attempting like ridiculous amounts of crosses and, and every single attempt was, was trying to find Gomez in the box. And, and that was taken away from, from guys like Didavi or Mali couldn't even get integrated to the team. And uh, I mean, Mario Gomez is, is, is a fine player, but he's also 32. And like he, I think th- this season he, he has like the one goal you mentioned and there's like 3.8 expected goals. So, you know, in a thousand minutes, that's not, that's not really anything to, to go crazy about. And that was with, you know, Jonker kind of pretty much playing everything to him in the first four games. So, um, I think overall that's going to be a, a boost because Origi has put up like better, better numbers and, and more goals, even with like, you know, the miss of the season against Leipzig. Uh, and I think when they, you know, when they turn to more of a counterattacking team, you know, like kind of Mainz used to be under under Schmidt, that that's a much better, you know, much better way. You know, Maxi Arnold is much more involved now. He, he was he was kind of marginalized as well, and it seemed like everything under Juncker was like let's let's placate, let's please Mario Gomez because he's our big striker and. You know, like that, 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 that was like you said, like he did score those, those 16 or 17 goals, but that was only enough to, to drag them to, to, you know, basically the, the relegation playoffs. So, I mean, there, there, there's gotta be like a better way. And I think that's, that's what they're doing. And, um, I think a guy we haven't really talked about is, is Josip Brekalo, who was, who's moved the other way and back, back from, uh, the loan from, from Stuttgart. And he's somebody who I think, will really, really fit into the, the counterattack because, I mean, he was giving Dortmund a lot of trouble uh, in the Stuttgart match when, when if you if you remember that one, I think well, he was the one who scored scored the goal, uh, I think the second goal, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, he's he's one who's really pacey and likes to dribble and, and will, will fit into the Martin Schmidt counterattacking football nicely. Yeah, though, though I, I don't even know if, if Wolfsburg just played all the crosses because of Gomez, because I feel like that's something they've done traditionally over the last three or four seasons, that they were just very wing-heavy, and I have a hunch that uh, there will still be an element of, of them trying to uh, yeah crack Dortmund open over the wings. But, uh, you that, know. Yeah, that rings, that rings true, going back to Draxler and Schule when they were there. I mean, it was a lot of... A lot of well, crosses. I'm, yeah, Dieter Hecking is coaching you, so that's that's kind of you know, <laughs> of you expected that. But yeah, I mean, it, it could be, but but it, you know, like I, I mean, I'd have to look, go look at the numbers and the splits between like what it is for for Schmidt and 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 Juncker, But it doesn't seem like like I mean, just the overall numbers they they're they're attempting eleven a game, which is which is kind of uh, you know 
along the lines of, of most of the average teams. So they're not like, you know, Augsburg who are, who are pumping in a million crosses or, you know, or like the, the old, the old, old, old teching or younger teams. So there seems to be um, an element. And, I, you know, there's also not that many, not that many players. I mean, Mali and Dadavi and Arnold tend to tend to play through the middle. And Origi is, is that type of striker who, who likes to run in behind the defense and, and, and likes to make runs. And, and, you know, if you, you know, it's kind of like, if you take away the big target, man, like you, you hopefully take away the, 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 ineffective crosses as, as well so um that, that's another one i mean a guy that we we should probably talk a little bit about uh, is is felix Udekai, who who's been probably their best player is a, is a 20 year old who, who they signed from 1860 munich and he's he's been one of the the few standouts for 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 wolfsburg and it's somebody that uh, is very athletic and actually could could do a good job against somebody like obamayang but uh, you know hopefully dortmund will be able to 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 win that matchup but it's but it's pretty important Camacho is another guy that stood out, honest for me, for Wolfsburg because he's he's he has a, a high rate of aerials one and, mm-hmm. and is, is a pretty highly rated player overall for them through the 17 matches. And I think I think just because of the position he plays, sometimes it goes unnoticed. He's not a sexy goal scorer or anything like that, but definitely a, a workhorse and has uh, kind of flies under the radar there in Wolfsburg, but definitely a player to keep your eye out on. Yeah, what's interesting uh, talking about Udukai is that he, I think, for the first time, will be paired with uh, John Anthony Brooks, who was out injured and I think is now back. Uh, the United States, uh, or you know, I, th- I think he he has a dual citizenship, but yeah. is is playing for the for the United States national team, of course. And uh, yes. Brooks uh, is of course a very impressive defender too, who in the past has uh, caused lots of trouble for Dortmund, also when still playing for Hertha, as far as I remember. So. Udukai and Brooks together can actually form a very decent centre-back pairing. Um, I also like Tissoran as a, as a left-back. I'm not sure if he actually will uh, play there again or whether he, um, yeah, you know, is is uh, omitted for another player or, uh, you know, Paul Fahak as, as a, as a right-back. So, um, yeah, as, as far as, as Dortmund's squad overall, as, as you guys said, they are pretty balanced and... Uh, Maybe Kern Castells, their, goal, their goalkeeper, is one of the yeah. most underrated goalkeepers uh, who has, uh, you know, developed quite nicely in the last two seasons. So that, of course, deserves a mention too. Now, um, let's put the focus maybe a little bit on Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Marcel Schmelzer and Rafael Guerrero will be out for this game. Uh, according to Michael Zock, they will miss several weeks due to mus- muscular injuries. But uh, there is no... Diagnosis out there uh, as we are recording this. Um, Abel, how do you see Dortmund uh, yeah, solving that issue at the back? Who do you just just give give me your um, back four shout? Yeah, I mean, uh, so the left back is, is probably the, the 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 spot of contention here, and and I think uh, Dan Axel Zagadou and and uh, everybody's favorite Eric Durham are probably the two candidates. Uh, I mean, I I would kind of hope that it's that it's Zagadou, uh, particularly just just in terms of you know he he's had he's he's actually played some games this year, and and I, I know he was very highly rated by by the Yellow Wapad Awards Show, which which is of course all that matters in in, in football, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, and I think you know um, Durham. I mean, I've, I've I've never really been a huge fan of him, and and you know, kind of just throw him in there at left back after he's been out for so long. It would be probably the riskier 
um, option. Uh, I mean, and obviously, I think uh, Pishek, if if he's healthy, there's 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 some good signs there. Uh, I don't know if uh, he. I don't know if you've heard anything about whether he's ready to go. But uh, you know, Tolian has not not been terrible in the last uh, few games. I, I felt like so. I think either one of those, obviously, with Pishek. Um, center back. I mean, that's a, that, that's probably a, a, a long discussion. But uh, um, I would probably go with um, Socrates and, and Bartra. I guess if, if they're healthy. I don't know. I I I don't. I just. I really want to know what Stuga will do because you know we've discussed this endlessly long. You know who should be the preferred center back for yeah. Dortmund, and I'm I'm really intrigued to see the lineup. Uh, you know, being posted around 5 p.m. on Sunday, um, <laughs> because you know to to me it's a wild guess. I I think it's going to be Toprak and, and Socrates. Um, Christopher, what what's your backline pairing, or what which one do you assume? We will get, and um, who's your left-back option? I would prefer to see the center-back Socrates and Bartra just because uh, the, the I don't know if Toprak just lacks the speed, and it, it seems like Bartra to me is just is just the more solid option. I, I when we were playing the high line under Bosch, one of the one of the tactical errors that Bosch would make would be putting Toprak in period because he simply can't recover quick enough and he can't chase down any 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 counter attacks so therefore you give up these one-on-one situations and and then you have to pray that you know Birki pulls off a miracle but uh Bartra does have the pace that he can stay with 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 some attacking players and you know the experience goes to Socrates obviously uh if at left back I'm I'm with I'm with Abel on the fact that Doom. I don't have as big a problem with Doom as others have. I, I, I you know, he's a Weltmeister after all. We have to remember that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but you know, in all seriousness, he, he coming, coming, coming back after missing what he played last played in May, I believe, that would be a lot of pressure to put on him to go in and fill in a position for what has been, you know, perceived as a very, very uh, vulnerable backline and say, okay, you're, you're now the guy. I would have to. I would probably have to go back to what Bosch did in the first couple of weeks, which was put in Zagadou, and 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 you know he has experience this season at that position. He he, I guess you could say he knows the role somewhat well, and um, that's 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 you, you're going for experience this season over what you know Durham has accumulated over his career because he's simply he's simply not he 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 does he hasn't played for Dortmund yet this season. I would I would, I would have to go with Zagadou even though he's younger and has less overall footballing experience than Eric Durham, but that would be. My two center backs would absolutely be Barton and Socrates, and I would put my left back as uh, Zagadou. He's, he's also like better in the buildup, right? And and like if you you know look at the tactical sort of expectations, I mean, you, we were talking about how Wolfsburg is probably going to counterattack, right? So you that from that it seems like it's logical to have somebody who's better in the buildup, and we know that's not Eric Durham. I mean, he's right. a lot of things, but but he's not going to be the guy who is going to make those runs. And you know, um, Zagadou is, is is actually pretty good at that, and you know he's. He's he can he can get up there and, and, and get involved in the in the passing, right? So that would that would make some sense to me. I don't know what you think, Stefan. Well, I think that uh, if you have a, a double pivot with Dahoud or Weigel mm -hmm. or, or something like that, or or anyone really next to Weigel, which I think should be should be the case if you have a 
problem at, at the left back just because you add one more passing outlet. I think we saw that very well in the Revier Derby at the beginning that Dortmund outnumbered Schalke in midfield. Yeah. And uh, due to that had, uh, you know, a passing outlet via Schmelzer. Or rather, Schmelzer yeah. had options. And I think, uh, you know, you want to play it safe and, and do the same here. And, uh, you know, just try to yeah give the left back whoever it is options so this this would be my first solution to the problem um i gotta say i would i would rather start eric Durm and uh really yeah because i think eric Durm he has he has shown in the in the past that he doesn't really need a long time to uh, you know come back from injury and and really find himself in into a match um That being said, I also don't think he can play the full 90 minutes, so I'd rather bring mm -hmm. in Zagadou later in the game and, you know, just start with Doom than, than the other way, just because you never know when Doom will, you know, run on an empty tank. So um, that's that's my, my only argument, but, uh, you know, I still don't think that Zagadou is a, is a left-back, and I think if you want to, uh, you know, think in the long term... And uh, possible replacements for Schmelzer, Erik Durm right now seems to be the only viable option. <laughs> Because Jeremy Toyan, I do not see as a left back. Uh, what he has showed on that position wasn't all that impressive, I gotta say. Although no, I agree with that. The the yeah. one game against Tottenham was okayish, but but yeah. And and uh, Rafael Guerrero is also out injured. And uh, even though he said left back is he his favorite position, I still don't see him as a left back whatsoever. So I'd still prefer Dom on that position. Who you know, we all we all make fun of Dom from time to time because of his uh, trampoline-esque first touch. <laughs> But uh, never, nevertheless, he he has his qualities, and I, I think especially against Wolfsburg, uh, we talked about the counter attacking. Uh, on the one hand, you don't want to lose the ball. But as mentioned, uh, Durm should uh, be able to, you know, pay, play some alibi passes, as we say in Germany, just substitute yeah. balls and should not make any mistakes in build-up play. That's easier said that, than done, of course. But at least he has the athleticism to uh, track back when things do go wrong. And I'm pretty sure that things will go wrong as it's Borussia Dortmund still <laughs> playing this game. And um, yeah, finally... One question, and uh, this this one, um, yeah, should be an interesting one as the season develops, of course. But uh, Shinji Kagawa has been in amazing form, finishing the year, and uh, he also looked pretty good again uh, so far uh, in in the friendlies. So from what we have seen, uh, he should not have lost his form, which would be nice because Kagawa, of course, uh, has a habit of uh, losing his form throughout international breaks or uh you know the summer or the, the winter break so that being said um christopher who do you think stuga will put in into the uh yeah number eight and number ten hybrid spots maybe do you think it will be uh shinji kagawa and mario Götze playing together well mario mario Götze has I, I wrote an article on him about his 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 rise back to form recently, and that was uh that that that's that's him coming back from his injury and and playing this season. He obviously played his his last match was his best match based on rating, scored a goal uh, against Schalke in the Riviera Derby. I I I do believe that in the the ten eight spot. Uh, wow, that's that's really tough. Um, <laughs> Kagawa and Götze would probably be. 
and from an offensive perspective, your best two options. I mean, you have two, you have two, two good passers. You have, they both can, can score. Um, if it were me, if it's my lineup, I, I would have no, no issue playing them. Um, but I know that for this season in particular, there've been a lot of times where people have said about, well, what the, should the Dortmund midfield look like? You know, should it be Dahoud? Should it be Sahin? Should it be Castro? It's always seems to be the player that you least likely reckon will be there. Um, I have no, I have no particular uh, objections to those two playing uh, in those two roles, and I think Goetz is absolutely critical to any kind of Dortmund success in, in the second half in the Rekunde. So, I mean, it, it to me, um, you know, why not try it out? Why not see where it goes for one match and then you know adjust from there? But Sugar has certainly got midfield decisions to make, and he has the the player and personnel to really match whatever style he wants to play. If he wants to go with that hybrid uh he can take a hybrid 4-3-3 and turn it into a 4-1-2-3 or, or whatever he wants to go the Weigel will then you know drop back and you'll have your 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 two your two uh, offensive midfielders up in the front or you can play a straight up 4-3-3 it just it uh, Dortmund has options in the midfield um what Struga does Sunday afternoon before the the match is played in that lineup is like you said I'm I'm very I'm going to be surprised to see not only the back four but also the midfield to see where he goes because depending on what the personnel is uh for that lineup it's gonna it's gonna kind of tell us a better it's gonna give us a better eye of what Dortmund actually is going to do with Wolfsburg uh as it pertains to uh the attack and defense yeah it's going to be interesting in so many ways because now Sugar of course had a couple of days to actually work with the players he has and and we'll see them in a different light as well so you know it could be the uh Good old Götze, Dahu, Weigel, Midfeld 3. We have talked a lot about on the other world pods. And uh, I don't know where Kagawa's place is and all that because you still need two wingers <laughs> one way or another, usually with Yamolenko and Pulisic. But of course, you could, uh, you know, opt for a more narrow lineup and, and just feel Pulisic and, and hope that uh, Kagawa or, or Götze drift out wider. That also is a possibility. I think Aubameyang is a given, but uh, any, anyone else is, is pretty much up for, for grabs. I think uh, the only positions really set in stone at, at, at this moment is yeah maybe Weigel, but I don't know what Stuger's stance is on him. He could also play Shine, but I think Weigel is, is set. Then you have uh, Aubameyang, Piszczek and Burki. And, uh, you know, under normal circumstances, of course, Mario Götze will play, but uh, you never know how far you is uh, after coming back from injury. But uh, Sugar at least said that it's good news that all the long-term injured players, barring Royce and, and Rodo, of course, uh, you know, are fit to play against Wolfsburg. So, um, yeah, a lot if he's of... Play, if he's, yeah, exactly. Sorry for interrupting. But if, yeah, if he's... If, with you saying about Goethe, if he's healthy, he must play because he's absolutely critical to Dortmund's success. He, his, his, his key passes in the Bundesliga put him at the very top of that, of that statistical yeah. category. And... He's just he's been fantastic uh, every every match. It seems like he's gotten better and better. And then, of course, that climax in the Riviera Derby, of course, he goes down with injury. That's just how it works in Dortmund. But, you know, coming back, if he can go, it's an absolute must uh, start. If you're Peter Struger to get Goethe back on the field, uh, this is, you know, without question, I think. All right, then I guess we can knock it on the head here because, uh, you know, we're very much in wait and see land now. Uh, Abel, you can go first. Uh, maybe a couple more predictions than usual since uh, we are at the start of the Rückrunde. Uh, first of all, how do you think Dortmund versus Wolfsburg will end and also how will Dortmund's season end? 
Socrates has said they want to finish second place and win the Europa League. Mm. Yay or nay? <laughs> uh, wow, that's, I mean, tough. that's that's a bold claim there coming from 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 Socrates. I mean, hopefully that will be <laughs> backed up by 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 his performances, which have uh, left a little bit to be desired for for me anyway. But uh, for this game, I I, would, I could see Dortmund winning maybe about three one or so, and you know. Um, Just at a point earlier, like I'd also see Kagawa and Goetze kind of splitting maybe the 45 minutes because neither of them might be in top shape. So that could be an option of uh, getting those in. But I think 3-1 for this game uh, for Dortmund, um, you know, I think Wolfsburg will get one just because their their, their counterattacking is, is is pretty strong and Dortmund uh, have been vulnerable on that end. Uh, in terms of the, the general Rukrund prediction, I mean, that's a very, very... Uh, tough one because the Bundesliga has been uh, so uh, well I guess there's been so much parity is, is, is the polite <laughs> way to to uh, to talk about this but uh, yeah I mean I, I definitely see Dortmund making the Champions League places but uh, I, I probably bet against sort of finishing in second place but I'm really hoping that the Europa League can be something that uh, that they get far in I think kicker did the, uh, the, the sort of reader question and I think uh, um, I think Atletico Madrid were the, were the favorites there, but Dortmund were, I think, the second favorites uh, for for the Europa League. I, I think that's that's probably right. So, oh, may, maybe like uh, third place and uh, Europa League final. Yeah, sounds about right. Uh, you know, let, let, let's let's switch the the question a little bit up. And um, Christopher, of course, I want your prediction for the Dortmund Wolfsburg game, but. Uh, Given that Dortmund will finish in the in top four, <laughs> I don't know if that's actually a given, but they are level on points with Leverkusen, Leipzig and Gladbach right now. Hoffenheimer two points off and Schalke only two points ahead. Now, this match day alone will uh, have a couple of interesting games. Leverkusen will go up against Bayern and Schalke and uh, Leverkusen will play against each other, which means uh, Dortmund could easily you know, move to second place with just a win against Wolfsburg. Now the question is out of uh, Schalke, Leverkusen, Leipzig and Gladbach, uh, who do you think actually will be the toughest competitor for the rest of the season? Well, if uh, if it hadn't been for the for the final two or three weeks of the, of the season, I would have definitely said RB Leipzig, but they've taken some somewhat of a step back and Schalke has seemingly kept their momentum uh But if you listen to a lot of Schalke fans and you listen to a lot of their own experts talking about their team, a lot of it's luck. A lot of it has been these 1-0 or 2-1 grinders where they, they somehow score this goal in the last minute or are able to hold on. It, it seems like Schalke's season could flip and easily they could be in eighth place just as easily as they are in second. So just, I will, I'm not putting any money on Schalke. I mean, that's just it's not, not going to happen. I, I would say if I had to bet, I think Abi Leipzig probably has – Uh, from top to bottom, the most competent roster, the most competent group of players. Uh, they scare mm -hmm. me the most. They obviously were the were the team that came to Dortmund and ended the uh, long home Bundesliga win streak. <laughs> uh, Vienna's phenomenal. Uh, Sabitzer. They 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 have they have a good squad. Bruma. There's a lot to like about Leipzig, and I do believe that they'll get back uh, kind of in a winning form as the Rückrunde starts. Uh, as far as Dortmund and Wolfsburg go. Uh, I do. I'm going to agree with Abel that we will win. Uh, instead of 3-1, I'm going to go 2-1. I think that uh, Stürger will probably play a little bit more conservatively. Uh, I, 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 don't, I see us probably maybe going up 2-0 in that match. And, you know, Wolfsburg gets one maybe between the 85th and the 90th. Uh, we'll hold on for a nice 2-1 home victory to, to get the three points. 
but as you know, it, it, it's it, as far as Dortmund's season, um, this this the, if you would have told me that we get 19 points from the first seven matches and then we don't win from the end of September until mid December in the league, uh, I, I would of course ask you to have your head checked because <laughs> that's that's impossible. And then you tell me on top of that we finished third. I would say that the mathematics of that are, are, are virtually impossible. But yet here we sit in third place, um, you know, just one one win really in a shocky loss off of second. So I believe anything's possible. Uh, I do believe Dortmund will absolutely finish in the top four. Um, I say that as as kind of a humble Dortmund fan. I'm not that's not being arrogant. That's just that's just looking at our roster from top to bottom. Barring any major injuries, I think the quality's there. I think Stürger will stabilize the defense as the season goes on more and more and more. And I think you'll start to see less of these uh, five, five or six goal scored as we did against Gladbach. I think you won't see that. I think you'll see a lot more three twos, two ones. And as far as the Europa League, I uh, believe Napoli is still in that competition. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. They the the only thing the only reason I don't pick Napoli to win is because I think their absolute focus this season is in Serie A. I think they want the Scudetto. I think their their main focus is to absolutely take that away from Juventus. So the Europa League for them will probably be more of an afterthought. Uh, Dortmund really could kind of have a a nice ending to the season should they win that competition. It would be a really good feel good moment. Obviously, that's also uh, a direct you know doorstep and in, back into the Champions League. No matter where you finish as far as the, the league goes. Uh, so I, 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 I don't want to, Oh man, I don't want to say that they're going to win the Europa league because that is with this, <laughs> with the way this, this team played between September and December, it's just, you, you just, you, you ask yourself, are they going to revert back to that? Can, can the, 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 the first seven matches are really nice. And I don't want to say soft, but the opponents are more, um, they're more, more winnable uh, with the exception of Gladbach, who I think just, you know, laid a complete stinker against us uh, in, in the Hinrunde. Uh, I think that will be a match that we need to watch out for. But after the Augsburg match, obviously things start to heat up. Then you get into Leipzig, then you get into Bayern, then you get into to some of the tougher matches. Um, it, it would be, it would be, I think it would be silly for me to say that Dortmund can't withstand these first seven of the next 17 and have a, a absolute uh, good shot at, at, a, at a second place finish. But I'm I am I am going to agree with Socrates that Dortmund will finish second to Bayern in the league. I'm going to go ahead and say that on record. All right. So uh, that was a very long prediction, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, long winded. But but, but what, whatever keeps you end. away from work, I guess. <laughs> hey, I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, to 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 give my two cents, I think Dortmund will win two 0 against Wolfsburg. I I have a hunch that uh, games will develop quite the similar way as they did in the first games on the Sugar that Dortmund starts slowly and uh, you know in the final half hour or so we'll grab the goals could be I could be wrong of course I've been many times before as uh, regular listeners <laughs> know so um, and uh, for for uh, teams that look the most competitive and uh, you know the the teams that uh, could uh, yeah, post the most threat to Dortmund. I actually have my money on Bayer Leverkusen. Um, I think uh, they they once again do not have any international competition to worry about, and I think they uh, have improved far more throughout the season. And uh, I don't know. I think they just have overall more quality in their squad and have a higher ceiling than Schalke, for example, and Leipzig. I don't know. They just tend yeah. to struggle at times, and and. Uh, 
yeah, of course they are play they're playing in the Europa League as well. I don't know how long they will do that, but uh, I don't know. There's just something about Leipzig where I have a feeling something's off. That Hasenhüttel maybe has some issues with the team. I don't know. And Nabi Keta, of course, is also a, a weird factor. You never know. Yeah, Forsberg has like zero goals. Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> so Leipzig not running as smoothly as, as they did last season, of course. So, um, yeah. Bayer Leverkusen right now to me look like the sort of team uh, that can, you know, pose a threat. But then again, it's Leverkusen. We all know a good Hinrunde usually warrants a poor Rückrunde and vice versa. So, you know. But uh, yeah, for Dortmund, it's very much the X factor also how Royce can come back into this game and how he can uh, team up with uh, Mario Götze. I once did the research and uh, calculated that Royce and Götze both only played 97 minutes together yeah, on the yeah, field yeah, since, that, yeah. uh, since Götze came back. So, uh, you know, for all these uh, hashtag Götze's people, that must have been a terrible disappointment and to the club in general because Dortmund are, let's face it, a different animal with Royce on the field than without him. And of course, uh, you know, he would take pressure of the like of uh, Christian Pulisic, of course, and to make his life way easier and maybe... You know, that means Pulisic reverts to the right side. And I see a lot of upside there, especially if teams do not have to focus as much on Pulisic than on, on Royce. So, you know, there are so many dynamics <laughs> that uh, can go the way in, in Dortmund's favor or or not. So, uh, you know, as you guys mentioned, it's tough to predict. But, uh, you know, overall, I do believe Dortmund have the highest ceiling. And so even without Marco Royce, they managed to score the, the highest amount of goals in the Hinrunde, you know, even even more than Bayern. Yeah. So that's definitely something they can take a lot of uh, heart from. And, uh, you know, if you sure up that back line and uh, maybe score a couple less goals, but uh, concede, you know, dramatically less than uh, Dortmund will easily score at least half a point higher on average. And that, that should be enough to, to secure that second place, especially since they are right now, uh, you know, still in such a good position and we mustn't forget they won the or not one they won six out of the first seven and draw the other one so the schedule at least suggests that it's it's going to be another easy start for Dortmund and maybe they can take the momentum all the way right now so um yeah that's it's that's... because of it, yeah you're, you're it's because of that the first seven matches that gave us the cushion to be able to I, I say be able to 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 allow to to not win for two months and yet still finish in third Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and one like, question I have of... for you guys. I want one question about Royce because you mentioned him. Mm -hmm. uh, just considering that it's the injury that it was, and it was a severe knee injury. You know, Royce was so special on on the on the wing because of his pace and because of his ability to cut and 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 just and really just uh, uh, throw defenses off with his with his incredible pace. Do you do you see? Does do you do you see any complications? Do you see him coming back and being the same player? Because so many times. Uh, even American football, they talk about, uh, you know, when a player tears an ACL or something, you know, he's never, right. he's never quite the same. Um, and, you know, we, we, we still haven't really, you know, Ibrahimovic is a little bit different because he's older. He's 36, 37 now, but, you know, Royce is 30, 28. He, he, he should have recovered from it fine. But do we expect to see the same Marco Royce as we saw? prior to the injury in May. <laughs> well, the thing is, we only we ever only saw glimpses of him. Yeah. Right? So what is we, the same Marco Royce? Yeah, yeah what, what, what is uh, 
Marco Royce at his very best even. Yeah. We, that's that's yeah. like a question that was ever unanswered because, you know, be, before he ever could really hit his full stride, I, I think, you know, there there were some niggling injuries. So, you know, that question is, is, is tough to answer. But uh, knowing Marco Royce and, and the way he moves and the way he plays football, I think he will still have that pace. And... Uh, you know it's it's always tough to predict because neither of us here is uh, has a medical degree i think so um <laughs> yeah, I, I, on, yeah. i honestly can only guess but my guess is that uh, the injury will not affect him as as much as uh, it would do with other players especially because he he now knows how to recover from an injury also well and uh, you know with that experience i hope that dortmund have let's let's say the sensitivity to take care of him enough so that he doesn't re-injure himself and uh, as as yeah. we already discussed briefly Christopher um we mustn't forget a lot of Royce injuries were actually not self-inflicted like the one of the the yeah, cup yeah. final but uh, you know Correct, just yes. just nasty faults where players just clipped him at the uh, most unfortunate time just because he is so so quick and players just hit him late when they think they have a chance to get the ball so there's of course always that risk that uh, Royce gets clipped like that again, but uh, you know let's just be hopeful <laughs> for one. Yeah, that, definitely let's be hopeful because he, as you said, he adds he adds so much to the to, to the to the quality of the side, not just from a perspective of you know him being our best player when he is healthy, but also the fact that he adds depth or gives gives us depth back because it takes pressure off of uh, Pulisic and some of the younger guys. Yeah. Yeah, and like he doesn't need to be a hundred percent. Like I think you know, even Royce at eighty percent is is I would say like better than you know ninety percent of the Bundesliga players. And you know, there's examples. I mean, I think Götze is a nice example of somebody who's lost a lot of his you know athleticism, and he's not as you know agile anymore, or he's not as quick anymore. But he's a different. You know, I think he himself admitted this uh, in the summer where he's more you know sort of Iniesta than Messi. And you know, I think. There's 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 a parallel there for for Royce where he doesn't need to be you know kind of running 100 miles an hour all the time and just his vision just his movement just the fact of him him being out there and defenses being aware of him is is a huge is a huge boost and you know just even what he does in counter pressing I mean compare that to you know the the defense or in quotation marks that uh, Yarmolenko plays I mean <laughs> it's yeah. it's uh, it's you know there's there's all kinds of upgrades. Yeah, yeah Augusta has the great football IQ. I mean, I've, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Royce has. You know, I, I wouldn't say he has the same footballing IQ as Götze, but he has he has a footballing IQ, and I I'm pretty sure that when he does his off the ball runs, that are also yeah. often vital for Dortmund, where he just opens gaps just by being Marco Royce. You know, mm-hmm. if if those are being done with a you know two or three miles per hour less, <laughs> then I still think they will have the same effect. And maybe it helps him to not be offside all the time. That he just isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, true. Just maybe. So um, yeah, we will we will see, of course. But uh, you know, first he has to get back on the pitch in the first place, which should be around mid February, and this is exactly when all the English. Week start, uh, you know, February the fifteenth is the first leg against Atalanta. If I, I, if I'm correct, yeah. So it's a very tough game. Actually, we didn't really talk about that. Like I kind of uh, 
you know, would like to apologize because uh, I, I I actually think like that's going to be, you know, that that could be a make or break game. And Atalanta, there, there's a pretty good argument that they're, you know, they're they're one of the best teams in this area and you know have been for the last couple of years now. And um, you know, I think not a lot of people follow them. I mean, I know Chris does watch a lot of Serie A, but yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're a tremendous right team. They're right, right. I know, yeah, but you know, just in terms of like the Europa League, they absolutely destroyed their group. I mean, I, I saw a couple of games against Everton and whatnot and they look like they, they look fantastic and you know guys like Papu Gomez are, are, are going to be headaches and I know he's not like scoring a lot of the, the same goals last year but he's still putting up huge numbers and that's a that's a really tough team to play against yeah two teams I would not want to play in Serie A right now Atalanta and Sampdoria so I mean the, yeah. Dortmund got a Dortmund got a tough draw um, good point. And the one thing is that even with all my long-windedness, I never did bring up Royce in my in, in, in my preview for Dortmund's Rekrondo. So, yeah. If he <laughs> Where comes you just back wrote in, how many words? 500, 600 words about him? <laughs> eight, 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 800, but yeah. who's counting? <laughs> yeah. But if he if he comes back, as you said, Stefan, at 80% or, or Abel, whoever it was, said it, 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 he is... He is a he is a, a a kind of a game changing type yeah. of player, and him at eighty percent is still better than most of the Bundesliga. So it, it, if he if we can get him back, it, it absolutely almost I don't want to say it guarantees, but it certainly uh, it certainly positions Dortmund very nicely for a second place finish. But the Europa League draw, you're absolutely right. That's that's not going to be a pushover. No, definitely not. So I'm I just refrain altogether from where Dortmund will finish in the Euroleague. I know <laughs> I, I started the road to Lyon hashtag as uh, when when Dortmund uh you know played up well, I think in the second leg that was when I was confident to know <laughs> that <laughs> I mean at this point it was obvious, so uh you know, I can't take any credit for that to be honest. But uh, it's it's still a nice hashtag, so I really I really do want to see Dortmund to, to reach and, and win the Euroleague because as Socrates mentioned, that's the one trophy that's lacking in Dortmund's uh, cabinet. But uh, it's very true, very true. We have not won the UL. Yeah. The, the thing is, if you want to win a European competition like that, the uh, the, the the prime quality still will be the defensive solidity. I think across Europe there are enough sides that that have all the attacking potential in the world but uh, you know it really comes down to how good you can defend now what we've seen this year in the Champions League so far of Dortmund was a side that lacked the utter maturity to really be competitive in the Champions League but that is I think also very much down to Peter Bosch and I think Peter Stuger will take a different approach so it really remains to be seen how Dortmund uh, yeah do differently in Europe but uh, you know I don't I don't really want to predict that Dortmund make it past Bergamo at this point, just because, um, as you mentioned, they are very strong and Dortmund are yet to prove that they can consistently really, you know, be the team that their potential suggests. So, um, yeah, with all that... It's a chance... Sorry, it's a chance, though, for redemption. It's a chance for European redemption because we all know that Dortmund played their worst Champions League ever and somehow with two points actually continued the journey in Europe. And it's that that's... (laughs) That statistic in and of itself is unbelievable that Apol Nicosia basically out underperformed us to to finish last in the group. So we get we get a breath uh, yet again a breath of, of air that we can breathe in and, and say okay look you know it didn't go well in the Champions League but the Europa League is something we can save ourselves. Struga can Struga can cement his name in Dortmund history if he wins this tournament. So it, there's nothing but really honestly positives to gain from it. Uh, it would appear to me that Dortmund has every motivation to win, to, to do as well as they can in this tournament. 
Yeah, especially, you know, looking at the squad, those are all players that have the ambition to win titles. And, uh, you know, the Bundesliga is gone already. The German Cup is gone already. So that's the last chance for them to win a title this season. I think mm -hmm. a European trophy for them, uh, you know, for, for at least the most part of the team, it's either going to be the Europa League or nothing. Or maybe maybe a World Cup or, or something, but uh, you know, winning the Champions League with Borussia Dortmund right now does not seem as likely as let's say 2013. And no, on, absolutely. Not. And on that note, I think it's time to end the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying not to go back to work, Stefan. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> this, I'm dragging this out as as far as humanly possible. Can we talk about maybe Schmetzer's <laughs> dog, or maybe we can talk about Schmetzer's uh, new goatee? Uh, please no, no. I, I'm 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 afraid I'm afraid not. Um. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Abel, where can people find you and your work on the internet? Yeah, so you can find me at BundesPL on Twitter, and I actually wrote a bunch of words on sort of the Hinrunde, and and I and I kind of used the premise of a, a you know kind of best teams, and I put like three teams and honorable mentions. It it, it came like. 25,000 words or whatever it's it's practically a book but it's, but it's a lot of it's a lot of sort of analyses and, and mini portraits of some of the so better guys so so I think if you're interested in sort of you know other players not just you know there's not unfortunately not too many Dortmund guys are, are featured but there are a couple but uh, if you're interested <laughs> in sort of that you can find that at the Bundesliga Fanatic all right yeah I'll I'll try to read the first two pages or so that's, that's <laughs> as, as far as my attention span will carry me i'm afraid <laughs> Twenty five thousand words <laughs> well it's like it's like it's like six or it's like six articles <laughs> you know like right. sort of i don't know abel you were writing a book my friend i know that's that that would be the, i mean i know lars was reading it because he, he wrote a nice piece for for you guys and he he was kind enough to uh to to link that in a couple times so yeah at least i have one reader <laughs> <laughs> yeah long-term reader lars um yeah or, or long-form reader rather um christopher where can people find you on the internet so at twitter work? At Twitter, uh, at Critty Smith. Uh, of course, I write for the Yellow Wall Pod, as you uh, mentioned before. Also for gbarticles.co.uk, uh, Bundesliga Fanatic, and BBB Buzz. And of course, please check out the article, as you mentioned, about Marco Royce. It's uh, quite the uh, topic catcher right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, you caught the bus there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And you can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. My written work is mostly featured on ESPN FC. Uh, sadly, don't find the time as often to write for the Yellow Wall anymore. But uh, yeah, I I hope I'll get these mixed zone pieces back in action this year. And uh, yeah, of course, our written content, as already alluded to, is findable <laughs> at Yellow Wallpot or yellowwallpot.com. And uh, if you want to subscribe to our show, please do that via SoundCloud, Stitcher or iTunes and uh, yeah if you want to support us financially which is always uh, you know a token of your gratitude or whatever which is always greatly appreciated you can go on patreon.com slash the yellow wall and uh, for everyone else thank you for listening once again and uh, see you on the other side of Dortmund with this first book goodbye <laughs>